So what does a Christian do every day anyway? What defines a Christian, we discussed last week in our series Everyday Christian, is someone who follows the Christ, a Christ follower, a Cristiano, the follower of Christos, the Messiah. That is the, that is the definition for what a Christian is. But what does a Christian do? Have you ever considered asking yourself the question, since I became a Christian or when I became a Christian, what difference did it make? Oftentimes as we're uh, trying to explain ourselves, if we meet somebody who isn't a Christian and we say, well, well, I'm a Christian, and they'll say, oh, okay, what does that mean? What difference does it actually make? It's actually a challenging question if you consider it for a moment because sometimes we might be able to look around and realize that our Christianity makes no everyday difference. But what does a Christian do in the everyday? What makes a Christian an everyday Christian? What we know about Seventh-day Adventist Christianity, at least the way it's been packaged in some places, is that it's easy to make it a one-day-a-week Christian experience. So when you say, well, you're a Christian, what does that mean? Oh, well, it means that I go to church, and I'm an Adventist Christian, it means I go to church on Saturday. Okay, what else do you do? Well, we, we, we go to church on Saturday. Is that it? Well, we say, well, no, not exactly. What else is there? Well, we pray before we eat, right? Uh, and uh, what else? What are some popular definitions of what it means to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian? Anybody know? What's that? Haystacks. Haystacks? <laughs> You know, nobody outside Adventist Christianity knows what haystacks is. Nobody's heard of that. What does it mean? People say, well, uh, one of the most common uh, conceptions out there is that being an Adventist Christian means that you're a vegetarian. Oh, you're the guys who don't eat meat, Uh, which is not nearly altogether that true (laughs) Uh, for many of Seventh-day Adventist Christians. Only on Saturdays at potluck do they not actually eat meat. Um, uh, we'll, we'll say, well, we don't eat pork, right? As well as a number of other things, but we're commonly known, oh, you guys are the, guys, the people that don't eat meat. So is that the thing that you do every day? That's the one thing that defines your Christianity? You just don't eat meat? That's what makes you an everyday Christian? What are some other common definitions of Seventh-day Adventist Christianity? We help people? Health. Okay, you're health conscious? Yeah, maybe not. People out there don't know other than the fact that you're concerned about your diet. Anybody else? We pray? It'd be nice, but that's not what comes out of people's mouths. They don't say, oh, you're a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Oh, you're the people who pray. I've never heard that. (laughs) Have you? It'd be nice, but that's not how we're known. We rest? Oh, that's a nice one. Okay, we're we're Seventh-day Adventists. We rest. Oh, so what do you do every day? Oh, we rest. I'd love that one. <laughs> We're the napping Christians. Uh, that'd be fantastic. No, but, but even if you ask somebody who's been in the church a long time, well, what does it mean? It's hard to define. We have a, an undetermined sense of our everyday Christianity. It's a challenging thing to be an everyday Seventh-day Adventist Christian. We've got the Sabbath day pretty much figured out. So if I say to you, 
Give me an example of what a Seventh-day Adventist Christian does every day. We'll start with, well, on Saturday, because that's the easiest one, right? On Saturday, we get up really early in the morning so we can be at church by 9 (coughs) o'clock. Well, I almost choked on that one. Sorry. (coughs) We get up really, we go to church, we get dressed. We wear, you know, something we don't normally wear during the week. We put on our tie. We go to church, and then we go at Sabbath school, and then sometimes there's potluck where we eat haystacks um and then after that what happens then we go well we'll we go to lunch sometimes we go to people's houses and we have lunch and then and then we rest that's right if you were if you were raised in a in an ethnic church like i was there was no such thing as resting on the sabbath uh, as soon as lunch was done back at obra misionera get out there and pass some tracks then AY, the socials, it was nonstop. But, but in the um, English-speaking churches, we got rest. After lunch, we do Sabbath lay activities. Lay activities, right? And you go, oh, what, what do you do after that? Well, then we wait for sunset. Oh, how come? Because when the sun goes down, it's on, right? That's how we grew up. So is that what it means to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian? Well, that, we got that one down. In fact, we've got it down from sunset to sunset, Friday night to Saturday night. But after that, what happens on, after Saturday night? Oh, well, after that, everyone just... And when you were a kid, you were probably like me. You were hanging around Saturday afternoon and saying, Mom, is the sun down yet? Is the sun down yet? Because we couldn't do, you know, watch TV or play games or sometimes go outside, ride our bikes. So, oh, is the sun down yet? Is the sun down yet? We're waiting for the Sabbath day to be over so we can just do whatever we wanted. Six days of the week, we could do whatever we want. We sort of interpret the Bible as telling us that. But is that what being a Christian actually means? That one day a week, I'll enter into the sort of regimented lifestyle where I don't do this or don't do that. But when the sun goes down on Saturday, woo! The funny thing about that is, you know from experience, the sunset curfew has, 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 has gotten lower and lower and lower. Am I right? The sun doesn't have to be set. It's a little orange. It's on. Let's go. Or, or sometimes, for modern-day Seventh-day Adventist Christians, as soon as you leave those doors, it's on. As soon as you leave those doors, it's let me go do my thing. I know because, because I know. <laughs> The mall is right there. Some people from here, right to the mall. It's so convenient. And then off we go and do our own thing. Or I got a trip planned. But is that what it means to be an everyday Christian? To just knock this out of the schedule from Saturday from this time to this time and then I'm off? Is that what it means that I give Christ a little portion of my once a week experience and then the rest of my time is mine? It belongs to me. That's kind of how we've interpreted Christianity. But that's not what being a Christ follower is. You see, Jesus wasn't the Christ only on Saturdays. And he was certainly not the Christ only on Sabbath morning. There's this uh, myth, I think, that we've sort of bought into. That God is only God Saturday mornings. That somehow he is only holy and deserving of praise and worship between certain hours. That somehow there is only, well, in a traditional Adventist church, one sacred hour. Do you know when that begins? Anybody know? At 11 o'clock, right? We call it the sacred hour, yeah. 
when they're from 11 to 12. So people are nervously looking. We've tried to, we've tried to shatter that here in this church. That's why you're here, for one, and why we purposely start our service at 11.15 and go till 12.30 or plus. Because the Bible doesn't actually say that anywhere that God's holy hour is between 11 and 12 on Saturday morning. It doesn't. In fact, it says God's holy day is from sunset to sun, the entire day. But it also says that Christ is Christ every day. Every day. So what does a Christian, a follower of Christ do every day? It's a challenging question. Let's let the Bible answer at least part of it. Turn your Bibles, please. Colossians. We're in Colossians chapter 3. We're going New Testament today. And uh, we're in a small book written by Paul, one of the greatest theologians, where he is writing and explaining uh, uh, to the new church, the new group of believers, writing and explaining what it means to be a Christian. And in this particular passage, he's actually talking about an everyday kind of Christianity. So uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, there's probably one in the pew right in front of you. We're going to break this down a little bit. We're in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Paul is writing to to the church, It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, you've read Paul before. You've you've studied some of these things. And you know that Paul is is quite the orator. He uh, was uh, well-trained. And he could write um, in this ornate kind of language. Uh, he, was, he was writing this to educated people, some of them, and he was using poetic terms. Oftentimes when we read that, we go, okay, that sounds nice, but I have no idea what that means. So we're going to break it down a little bit. Paul says, since you have been raised with Christ, this means you have followed Christ. You have become a follower of Christ. Because you know by now, by the time we read this, that Jesus Christ has died. Remember that? And been raised back to life. And so when you became a part of the church, you participated in the ritual or the symbol of baptism where we die and are resurrected with Christ. We call that being born again, a rebirth. Now we are followers of Christ. We followed him into this saying goodbye to the old life, and now we're starting up with Christ again. Since you have been raised with Christ, he says, now that you are a Christ follower, now that you've begun a new life, now that you're doing something different, set your heart on things above. Setting your heart on something means that that's what you put your attention to. Consider this for a second. Some time ago, maybe, uh, for some of you anyway, uh, you, are, uh, you entered a room and there you saw a young lady sitting across the crowded room and then you know, your attention w- was drawn to her and then over time you set your heart on this person. You focused your attention. You decided to, to set your attention on this person. We call that, we call that love, right? You, you fell in love with somebody. It's the same kind of concept. To set your heart on things above means that we put our attention put our affection, put our interest in the things above. He'll explain what those things are in just a moment. He said, set your mind on things above. It's not just how I feel, this sort of ambiguous, I kind of love God. It's what I think on, what I concentrate on, what I find particularly interesting in my mind to dwell upon. Set your mind on things above. For you died, that means that old you, whoever that was, is, 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 
theoretically gone and is now hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then we also appear. Look here. Put to death, he says, and he's talking to, to people that are part of the church, but he says you need to understand what that symbol meant. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. There are things that are just part of us, our earthly nature is the way the Bible would describe it. Things that are sort of you're born with, inherited from your, from, from your earthly parents or from being part of the human culture. Uh, he says, whatever belongs to this human culture, this earthly nature, these kinds of things, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, that's all idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, but now you must get rid of these things. So an everyday Christian life, Paul says, is one that is not centered on these things. He says, you used, to, you used to ordain your life, your everyday, how you conducted yourself along these things. Sexual immorality, hmm? impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. He says, those are the kind of things that sort of uh, governed your life. Now, maybe you can think to yourself, well, that's not really me. But consider, if you look around the world itself and the people that you are hanging around with, people that you work with, perhaps, and those that don't know Christ yet or have not come to the conclusion that they want to be followers of Christ, have you seen any of these things pop up in everyday life? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Have you seen those things anywhere? Yeah. It's what dominates American society. It's what drives our advertising industry. It's what drives sometimes capitalism itself. Those are the things that the world runs by. Paul says, in your everyday life now, you're going to have to walk away from those things. So now you have to do a little self-examination. Forget about Sabbath for just a moment. You've got that one down. You got the you got the tie on. You figured that one out. Forget about that now. Let's go to Monday. Let's go to Tuesday. Let's go to Wednesday. Let's go to a place and a time when you are not in the middle of other Adventist Christians and when you are not putting on this little outfit. Go to a time when you are in the middle of people that are living according to these terms. How does that affect you? Go to a time and a place when no one is watching over your shoulder. No one is observing what you're doing. And when you conduct yourself there, whether it's you're surfing the web, whether it's you're uh, uh, making plans about how to spend your money, Paul says, and in those places, do not allow lust, evil desires, or greed to drive what you do. In fact, he says, you have to, that was your old way of life, so you have to get rid of these things. Look at this, verse 8. But now you must rid yourselves of these things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. Now, in the Adventist uh, subculture, we figured these things out. In fact, we created a, a checklist of visible things that we would measure each other by to see whether or not we were a true Christian. Uh, you won't find it written anywhere, but you all, you've seen the list. You, you'll know what I'm talking about. If we heard somebody cursing, we would say, not a true Christian. Certainly not a good Seventh-day Adventist Christian, because it's right there. It's measurable. Get rid of filthy language. So we grew up telling our kids, you know, you can't curse, you can't use these words. In fact, we will say not just the bad words, four-letter words of all kinds, but there are also certain other words we will not allow them to speak. Funny thing is, 
We can speak them. We just don't let them speak them. Right? Right? Oh, you don't say that. That's not good. Calling somebody S-T-U-P-I-D. Oh, that's not good. But then we'll go. But we've created a list of acceptable terms and non-acceptable terms. And, and we never wrote it down, but everybody knows what they are. And we've said, well, these things are measurable, so we can measure each other by these things. So we created. We say anger and rage. If somebody shows up at church and they're throwing a fit and being violent, we go, oh, that's bad. That's very bad. That's very bad. But in the privacy of your own home, or amongst your family. But do these things ever creep up? Paul says you have to ordain your life now. You have to live your life without these things. He says, continue. Do not lie to each other. Put on a new self. Uh, uh, he says, in, in, in this new way of believing and being a Christ follower, there's no Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all, and all is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, he says, clothe yourselves with these things. Now, here's what I want to get at for just a moment, okay? Um, in the Adventist uh, subculture that we grew up in, most of us grew up in, we had a clear list of what we, we were not supposed to do. Uh, each family had its own particular definition of what was inappropriate on Sabbath. Am I right? I'm right. Uh, and uh, you knew exactly what was inappropriate for you, and sometimes your friends were out doing it, and you're like, how come they can't do it? Well, this is our house, this is our rules, and we don't, Each church has its own set of rules of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate to do, but there's a clear list of do's and don'ts. But is that what the Christian life is? Just a list of do's and don'ts? Well, I found that in our history, we settled on that. We came up with something identifiable, and we're, we're pretty comfortable with that. As long as we don't break the rules, we would be okay. But one of the things that we didn't do is teach people what they should do or what would be good to do. We were more careful to enforce what not to do. And the Bible goes on right here, and, 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 and now Paul introduces characteristics of your everyday life as a Christian. He says, clothe yourselves. When you, when you come to church, you put on this little outfit, right? But every other day, you put on some kind of clothes. I hope. Every other day, you put some kind of outfit uh, that is uh, 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 appropriate for the task that you're about to do. You know, if you're a hospital employee, if you're a nurse, you put on the, the, the scrubs, the ones with all the little designs, you know, and you put a little pins and whatnot. If you are a, uh, 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 somebody who works in a lab, you've got to put on that white coat you know, that, that, that identifies you. If, if, if you work in an office building, well, you, you do have to, that, probably some of you guys don't wear ties on Saturday because you're sick of wearing them during the week. I don't know. You put on something that's appropriate. You don't wear beats attire when you're going to the office, unless it's casual Friday, but even then, you should, probably shouldn't do it. You wear what's appropriate. You put on something, something that identifies who you are and your function. And Paul is essentially saying, when you leave the house, when you conduct yourself in the world in an everyday, you need to put on these things as your clothes that will identify your function as a Christian. Listen to what they are. He says, clothe yourselves with these things, compassion, kindness, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Paul says, an everyday Christian is identifiable to himself by wearing these things as his clothes. Compassion, kindness, 
gentleness, patience, humility. It's one of the toughest things I think I have found in being part of the Adventist church and growing up Adventist and, and, uh, and even being a pastor is that these characteristics are oftentimes nowhere near the church. I'll just be honest with you. I can, right? The one thing I, 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 I sometimes have a hard time finding in the church is humility. There is feigned humility. Oh, no, you first. No, no, you first. But not real humility. There is a, a feigned patience. Oh, you know, I'll put up with something. But internally, I don't want to. I have a, a disdain for someone who tries my patience. Kindness, compassion. Too often we have sacrificed kindness and compassion in order to fulfill the list of do's and don'ts. But Paul says an everyday Christian is clothed this way. So consider for just a moment when you're getting ready to live out your everyday. You're going to go back to work on Monday or you're going to go back to school or wherever it is that you live your everyday life. And Paul says when you get there, the thing that should drive you as a follower of Christ is that you live your life like him. You see, when Christ was on earth and he walked with us, this were the clothes that he wore, compassion. Just look at every single encounter he has with people. He is not as concerned as following the list of do's and don'ts of the culture around him. He is more concerned with the people that are hurting. When he sees somebody in trouble, don't you remember the stories? He didn't even care it was the Sabbath. He would help somebody. When he saw somebody that was hungry, he didn't care that the rules said don't do this and don't do that. He wanted to feed them and take care of them. Kindness and compassion is the clothes that Jesus wears. Humility. Jesus says, I am your master, Lord, and yes, and that's true, but I am willing to serve. I'm willing to not be defined by my position. I would much rather be defined but what I'm willing to do for you. And that is so countercultural even in our own church. Even in our own church, we often have a hard time being driven by humility rather than position. Rather than saying, well, I'm above that. But an everyday Christian is clothed in this manner, gentleness and patience. Gentleness and patience. Too often, we have been taught that in order to be a Christian, that means when you get out there in the world, you've got to lecture people on what they're doing wrong. And just give it to them. Hold your ground and let them have it. Go out there and tell everybody what's wrong with them. But the Bible says that the true Christian, the one who is clothed like Christ, is clothed with gentleness. Do you know what that means? Does anybody know what gentleness means? It means that in the way you connect with people, they can sense that you care. They can sense that you are concerned. There's a demeanor about you. There's something soft and almost squishy about you. Makes people relax. And that your patience, that means that you're willing to hang in there with somebody. Put up with the challenges they bring to your life. Those are the clothes of an everyday Christian, Paul says. Not anger. Not malice, not greed, not the things that drive the world around us. No, an everyday Christian, Paul says, is clothed differently, has a whole different kind of way about them. And the challenge for you and I is to set our minds off 
of what the world normally tells us and to set our minds on these things. But it's something that you have to intentionally do. It's not something that just happens. Next week, as we close our series about being an everyday Christian, we're going to talk about making the transition from this one to that one and what we might be able to do intentionally to be clothed like an everyday Christian. Please come and join us and uh, invite your friends or anybody that you think might benefit from our conversation. And if you missed it, you can uh, uh, check it out online. You can listen to our sermons on our, on our uh, website. They're in there. Uh, please continue to pray for each other and uh, uphold each other as we engage in this challenge of being an everyday Christian.